So today on First Cup, we're going to talk about today's Thursday episode. We're going to talk about Hassan Minaj. We're going to answer, uh, you guys posted a bunch of stuff in the Facebook group. So stick around. We're live and we're rolling in 15. Two, one. Good morning, everybody, and welcome. Today is Thursday, this is September 23rd, 2021. My name is Jeremy, and this is my first cup of coffee. It's good. It's good. Well, I hope you all had a fantastic Wednesday. I had a pretty good day. <laughs> We're going to get this the whole time. I asked everyone yesterday, I said, please help me remember after the show to pack up the camera and the tripod for tomorrow's episode because I'm traveling. And uh, you all have been very helpful to remind me ahead of time, which is really helpful. And thank you, <laughs> Stacy, especially. Uh, yeah, yesterday was an interesting day. So, got a bunch of stuff done around here, did the books. Um, you know, it's it's nice. We've stopped selling pretty much everything on Amazon. I've, I've talked about that a little bit. But we're actually getting some sales on our website, which is kind of cool. You know, um, maybe we'll get more of them. But I did all that stuff and threw more stuff in the pile. It's a crazy pile. I've got to take stuff out. It's too big of a pile. <laughs> it's like, it's a pile, uh, which I have to pack after I'm done here. I've got to be on the road by nine. And then I went up to the co-working space because I hadn't been there in a week and a half. And, and you know, I missed everybody. And, and I've got this one, we'll call him a client up there now. And he's putting on an event in three weeks. And, Uh, I'm going to come back to all you guys in the chat in a second. You guys are insane. Uh, if you're watching this later, you're you're missing out on the, the live fun, but I'll, I'll read these things too. And I had lunch with the friend, client, who's going through some, some rough personal stuff on top of some rough professional stuff. And he asked for a meeting with uh, people working on this event. And... You ever have this happen where you're going through something difficult personally and you have a hard time considering anything else from any sort of different perspective? That's kind of what he was doing. And because he was feeling defeated in his personal life, he was uh, he was talking about canceling his event. He's like, maybe I'll just cancel it. And I said, well, you know, if you cancel it, it's a first-year event. It's going to make it kind of hard to do it next year because you're 0 for 1. And he said, I know. I said, all right, here's how I see it. And then I fully admit I took over. Four people in the room counting me, and I just took over. And I grabbed a whiteboard, and we sketched it out. And I said to my friend, I said, all I need you to do is tell tickets. If you can just sell tickets, the three of us can take care of the rest, because it's almost done. There are a couple things that have fallen through, and, you know, it's funny. He hasn't put on an event before. But I'm thinking of all the events that we've done, and I'm like, this one is so simple. There's nothing to worry about here. It's like the most straightforward event. It's, it's bringing a few speakers, 
and they talk and there's an agenda and it's one spot and i'm like free training is more complicated than this uh which you know year five of free training day so we're good to go and he was appreciative so that's good um so everybody in the chat's talking about reminding me on the camera on the cameras and daniel's even saying i can schedule an email every five minutes for the next few hours saying remember your kit if it'll help jeremy uh no no it will not but thank you for the very kind offer i really appreciate it oh just a heads up um here's a shirt the design's a little different than what we've had before uh very simple nothing on the back um, if you like this sort of baseball jersey style, you know, three-quarter sleeve shirt, uh, I really do. I, because I, I don't like rolling up long sleeve shirts because then they get all stretched out. But you can roll these up and you get that look, but it doesn't stretch them out. Uh, available at whistlekick.com. And you can use the code. Eh. First cut 15. So um, I wanted to throw it out to this group. One of the people I've looked for is uh, someone to help with apparel. We could do more with apparel and we could definitely make more money on apparel if I had some help. So if anyone's interesting and interested in a profit share and working on the apparel, let me know. Most of you in the chat have jobs that you are, that you're already working on. So Jared saying, Jeremy, I'm going to get you to run all the big events in my life. Hey, I'll do it. I'm, I've always said I do best when other people are at their worst, when other people are in the midst of crisis, especially if I don't have a personal connection to the crisis, right? Like if, if my life is not falling apart, but there's an event falling apart, I get hyper-focused and I'm able to see through the BS and come up with lots of plans on the fly. Um, the best counter example to that is when I had a tournament in 2016 because I, it was my event because I had failed in so many ways. I really struggled and I, I had a nervous breakdown. Well, I tried to, um, but nobody else was gonna pick up the pieces. So I found a way forward and it was okay. Right? Not quite my vision, but maybe someday we'll try it again. Jenny says she has this shirt, white with red sleeves, and she loves it. This is Mrs. Campo's favorite shirt. I'll have to order an, her another today. Well, um, we did five or six colors with this one. And this one, so one of the things that we try to do, if you've bought stuff from us, you know this. Uh, we try to get the company to pull the tag out and do uh, a whistle kick printed label. Let's see that. See? So that's how authentic whistle kick merchandise. I don't know. You ordered it from us. Where else would you get it? But I like that. I, I think it looks more professional to put that in there. Costs us a few bucks. What does it cost us? Two fifty to do that on every shirt. Let's be honest. You'd buy it anyway. But I like doing it. Now it's Thursday. Good morning, Francis. Let's see what's going on. Is the Thursday episode live. Let's check it out. Uh, where are we? 
We're slowly adding YouTube subscribers, which is kind of cool. Nope, don't autoplay anything. Ah, here we go. So this was a short but interesting episode. Um, considerations of opening a martial arts school. Financial, sorry, financial considerations, episode 643. Financial considerations of opening a martial arts school. And this started, I think somebody wrote in a question or Andrew had a question. Something happened somewhere where the question was, should I take out a loan to open a martial arts school? And my response to Andrew was no with a lot of expletives. And we decided to make an episode out of it. So we did uh, talk about why why uh, I, I see a martial arts school as not needing and not and, and really when you open a school, why taking a loan is a terrible idea in most cases. Uh, so you'll have to check it out, watch it, listen to it, see what you think. What's next? What did I say we were doing next? Oh, yeah. You guys got some stuff to me in the Facebook group. So let me check that out. Let's start there. I want to thank all of you for doing that. Uh, so first off, we're going to start. No, <laughs> there's Stacy reminding me. Um, yesterday was the first day of fall and the balance of light and darkness. How do we best work on physical and emotional balance? And how are they connected? Hmm. Our Western view of ourselves tends to separate things. You know, this is this is the physical body, and this is the mind, and this is this this is the cardiovascular system, and this is the endocannabinoid system, and this is the respiratory system, et cetera, et cetera. And as we go further in medicine, we start to um, realize that. These things are interconnected. They're not separate systems that just operate on their own. It's not, it's closer to the roadways in like a big city rather than small towns, right? Like if I, if I drive down my road here, I don't have to worry about traffic. And if I stop in the middle of the road it's not going to back anything up and certainly people who are a town over or you know a mile away it's going to have no impact on them breakdown in the middle of fifth ave new york it's going to back up traffic not just on fifth ave but all around it right it's all interconnected so if we think about the physical and the emotional body you ever felt better from exercise have you ever had a better workout because you've been in a good mood or maybe even a, a, a frustrated mood? You've, you've catharsized that emotion. They're connected. We know they're connected. So if we think about balance, if we think about trying to keep those things in balance, it's about recognizing what's needed and providing that to both. One of the things that I started doing at the end of my day is basically rating my day. How good was my day? Today was a good day. Why? Ah. 
And then I go back through the day and I hone in on the good stuff and I've started to notice some patterns. What are some of those patterns? I have a better day when I'm around people that I like and respect. I have a better day when I've produced work that I'm proud of. I have a better day when I get a good workout. Yesterday I was at the gym and I did, um, if you know what a ski erg is, looks like you're cross country skiing, but you know, without the foot part. And I did 20 second sprint intervals on that and I was smoked. Great workout, felt awesome. And I had some good food. I mean, for me, those are really four boxes. People, work, exercise, food. And then, oh, five, I got to pet a dog. I got to pet the dog at the gym. And I think for most of us, maybe even all of us, having some kind of a debrief like that and noticing the patterns of what makes your days better is a good thing. It's not going to hurt you. And I think you're going to see that on days that there is a physical outlet, whether that's martial arts training or something else, you're probably going to see that your mood's better. And sometimes if you're really bummed out, like for me, if I don't get physical, like real physical exercise for about 10 days, I'm a wreck. And it's really difficult to pull myself out of that hole. Two weeks, two weeks and I am in full-blown depression. I know that. Uh, so good question there. And then uh, Chris asks, if a student is going to change focus in middle or high school, would you rather they start in martial arts and switch away or start in another sport and switch into martial arts? So it's a good question and I like it, but I think there's a selfish way for me to answer that because if they switch into martial arts, does that mean they stay? If we're looking at it from a development perspective, I think a good martial arts school setting out the lessons and the proprioception, the physical understanding of the body at a younger age is going to set them up for success in, let's say, high school sports better than playing peewee football or t-ball is going to set them up for success in martial arts later. So I think it really depends on the goal and the need. I had a, a high school friend, actually I, was, I talked to two different high school friends yesterday about their children in martial arts. One of them reached out to me, the other we were just chatting and it happened to come up. Um, and so the question from one of them was around uh, their eight-year-old cross-training. That's really what it came down to. And it was an interesting question because initially if somebody said, well, you know, would you recommend an eight-year-old cross-train? I would say just kind of offhandedly, no. But there was more of a story here and the kids in Taekwondo now doing well and is interested in wrestling, but dad is curious about scratching that wrestling itch with BJJ. And so we talked a lot about the way a typical BJJ school conducts a class versus a Taekwondo school conducts a class. Would that be confusing? 
And one of the things that we talked a lot about was the non-physical, non-martial aspects of the development of the child over the last few years into the next few years, setting setting them up for success as a young adult and later in life. And that, to me, being the most important. And that if bringing in a secondary discipline, whether it's primary or not, you know, a second discipline, if that's going to dilute the personal development that the kid's getting from the Taekwondo class, then I said, you know, it's a no for me because I think that's what matters most at that age. That kid's unlikely to be able to defend themselves against, you know, a big, strong adult. But that kid can certainly learn respect and confidence and all the things that they need. So there's my goals. Good stuff. I, 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 this is, uh, is this the first time you guys have left stuff for me in, in the Facebook group? So thank you. Yay. I appreciate it. That's why we set it up. It makes it easy for me to go there. And then Frank gave me some stuff about Hassan Minhaj, uh, who I absolutely adore. I think he's a, a brilliant comedian and he is probably not in style and not in Uh, subject matter but in insight I think he's the new George Carlin if you look at George Carlin's old stuff it was hysterical and it was incredibly insightful and he had no problem talking about politics or or any any difficult subject he could get you to listen and learn and laugh and that's a really difficult skill a lot of comedians won't go there Hassan Minaj will, and he's very insightful and he has no problem poking at anything established. And if you saw his show on Netflix, which they canceled, uh, which really bummed me out. It was one of the best things on Netflix. You know what I'm talking about. So it's his birthday and because Frank knows me well, he gave me some stuff to talk about, some quotes from Hassan. I grew up in a pretty strict household in the sense that we just didn't have cable. So I wasn't familiar with what stand-up comedy was. I remember telling my friends that I thought stand-up comedy was like the thing that happened before the episode of Seinfeld. It's an example. Um, I didn't have cable either. I remember. I will never forget this. This is so... You have those childhood memories that are just so incredibly vivid. So, not surprisingly because this was a a generational thing. My mother was of the mind that when it came to technology, unless you knew exactly what you you were doing, you didn't press buttons, you didn't touch anything. And when we got our first VCR, she insisted that we had to stop the tape before we hit fast forward or rewind. I had to show her in the manual where it said you could do that because she didn't trust it. Our first newer TV was a 13-inch color TV. Think about that. 13-inch TV. This big. And it was like over there. And somehow that was enough. (laughs) TV's 55 inches. I think that's like one of the most bizarre changes from our childhood, right? Like our TVs were so small 
and now everyone's got like a 42 inch TV, you know, like in the bathroom. Anyway, I was in first grade and we were lined up ready to get on the bus to go home. And I heard these two kids talking about this cartoon that I'd never heard of before called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Now I'd started karate then. I was, I'd been in karate for two years. And they went, what, what is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Oh, I don't have cable. Oh, it's not on cable. It's on, it's on Fox 51. I, I don't, we don't have cable. I don't get that. No, we don't have cable either. It's, uh, it's, it's over the air. And I, I, I must have given them a puzzled look. And they said, you've got a little switch you've got to hit on the TV. It says VHF. And I went, that's what that switch does. Now we had uh, uh, that tiny TV and there was a little switch back and forth for the UHF and the VHF. And UHF went up to like what, channel 13. And because we, we had, what was it? Six, eight, 10 was PBS, 13. And I remember my mother telling me, never hit that switch. She didn't know why. She just, she didn't even know that station existed. So I remember being so frustrated. Got on the bus, came home, and I walked right past her. How was school? I walked right up to the TV, I turned it on, I flipped that switch, and the little scanning thing hit 51, and there were cartoons I had never seen before. And I looked at the TV, and I looked at her, and I was like, I've been missing out on these. You've been holding back on me. She didn't know. So we got some reactions. Uh, Stacy said, our TV had dials and knobs and you had to focus in the picture. We had some with dials and knobs, but we didn't have to do the focus thing. And Jared, don't push buttons. How'd you end up in IT? Exactly. I've always been a little bit of a rebel. Did you push all the buttons? Yes. Uh, I had my first computer at right around that time, six, seven, and I started programming in basic. See, even though she didn't get technology, she understood that I resonated with technology and she did everything she could to support that in me. <laughs> and I remember this too, Dennis saying it's Stacy, and sometimes I was the antenna. I remember there were shows that it wouldn't come in well. You'd go up and move the rabbit ears and you touch it and suddenly it's coming in good and you're sitting back as far as you can from the TV because it's gonna make you blind. Don't get too close to the TV, it'll make you blind. Honestly, my eyes, the one thing that messes with my eyes now is the phone. <sighs> that was a fun ride. What else we got? One thing I found very interesting about comedians around the world was their knowledge of stuff outside of their own culture and comfort zones. That's not very common in the States. We produce our own soft power, which is pop culture, but we rarely try to absorb and learn information from other cultures and countries. I think that's changing. It's slow, but it's changing. And I think as the rest of the world realizes that we are not going to produce content that, is, that resonates as much for them, they're more inspired to do it. India's got a, a wonderful movie trade. 
You know, there's a reason they call it Bollywood. Uh, China does a bunch of movies. Korea, and actually, if you have Netflix, you've probably at least seen that there are, if you haven't seen them yourself, a bunch of movies coming out of Korea. Uh, I watched one that I actually really enjoyed. I don't remember the name, but it was a, a really interesting zombie movie. I don't usually do subtitles. I don't like subtitles. I find them distracting. But this one, it worked. Because there wasn't that much talking. There was a lot of zombies and running. <laughs> but I think it's great. I think it's great that we have options. Centralization of anything rarely leads to the best stuff. Why are there so many different styles of martial arts? Because it allows for progress. If we're all doing stuff slightly differently and we compare notes where I watch what you're doing and you watch what I'm doing, we see progress. And I like that. I got one more there. So yeah, um, you can grab this shirt or anything else, whistlekick.com. Uh, did you guys know we have a blog there too? We have Marshall Journal, but we also have a blog at Whistlekick that we post some interesting stuff from time to time. We just put a couple articles up and check those out. We've got the newsletter you can sign up for, stay up on what we're doing as well as, you know, we put a decent amount of resources in that newsletter. So hopefully you check it out. The list grows. It grows slowly because we don't push it. Uh, and then leave me some stuff for tomorrow because we are having a show. And as a reminder, you know, if you're watching later on, thank you. You know, anytime you have a live show, it can feel like if you're watching later and listening later, like you're a second-class citizen, and you're not. You don't get to engage just because logistically that's not possible, but I still appreciate you. You know, we get the, the folks who watch live, and I look at those numbers, but I also take a look at the numbers after the fact, and there are as many, if not more, people checking this show out afterwards, and uh, that means a lot to me, so thank you. So our last line here from Hassan Minaj on his birthday... And then I've got to put stuff in bags and pack the car and make breakfast. I probably didn't leave myself enough time. But that's okay. We'll make it work. If it's just me on stage telling stories for like an hour, that's great. That's fine. But like a sandcastle on the beach, it gets washed away at night. It's so much more powerful if we can all share our narratives and doorstep moments and make us feel a little less alone. I'm just trying to use social media and new media as a way to capture that. Yes, same. Just trying. Just trying to give all of you as martial artists some stuff that help you feel good about being a martial artist, connect you to other martial artists, keep you training, and make you proud. Make you proud for the things that you do, the work that you've put in. You know, um, if people had outlets to be proud of their training beyond a belt and stripes and title, maybe fewer people would turn to belts and stripes and titles to feel good about themselves. Maybe the ego problem that we're constantly talking about and poking at is really a result of a self-esteem problem. It's a correction, overcorrection at times. So I hope you have a great day. I'll see you back here tomorrow. I am doing a show. I'll be up early in the hotel room. 
because I like doing the show and I'm not going to leave you guys hanging. I appreciate all of you. Leave me some stuff in the Facebook group. And I'll see you then. Take care, everybody. Peace.